This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is MC Money joined by Houts, the, uh, I don't even know what Houts is anymore, and Sutton the Creepy Soccer Dad. And we are first place in the AFC East. Let that sink in. The Miami Dolphins are first place in the AFC East. And Houts and Sutton, what a dramatic game that was on Sunday. I had to do the family thing. I had to be at Six Flags with the family, and I wasn't going to, you know, fight. I was picking my battles, and I watched on my phone. And I was in my car when uh, Young Ho for the for the Chargers. What a Young Ho he is! <laughs> well, what a great uh, name, Young Ho, isn't it? He, when he was lining up for the field, and I'm like, and well, when when Philip Rivers was driving down the field, I said, "Oh God, you know, this is this is not going to end." I was waiting for it to end like last year, where Kiko picks him off and the game is over, that never happened. He was just destroying the Dolphins' defense, shredding them to pieces. And we'll talk more about the secondary in a little bit and what Adam Gase thought about it and the linebackers, Mike Cole and Chase Allen, and all that jazz. But, you know, as I'm watching that final drive, boys, I'm just thinking this game is done. Dolphins are going to lose. And then I'm watching the field goal target line. I'm I'm calculating the field goal in my head. All right, this would be a 57-yarder. This would be a 52-yarder. This would be a 45-yarder. And then finally he gets to the point, 10 seconds left, 12 seconds left. Adam Gase calls a timeout with 10 seconds left. I know some people are upset about that. We'll get to that in a little bit as well. And then he lines up. And all I'm thinking of was the Broncos game where he kicked it low and they blocked it. And I'm just praying that happens. He kicks it and it's wide right. And I screamed so loud. And again, this was in the car. We weren't in the park anymore. We were at McDonald's uh, while my wife was feeding our two-week-old. And I know that's a little too much, but it is what it is. Uh, we were sitting in my car at McDonald's in the parking lot and watching the airplanes come in because we just dropped my sister-in-law off at the airport, which is why I had to do the family thing that day. She was going back to Florida. Um, and I screamed. I screamed. I pumped my fist. I slammed my steering wheel. My three-year-old daughter goes to me, <laughs> Daddy, what's wrong? Did you hurt yourself? And I go, no, no, the Dolphins won. This is how we're going to celebrate. 
and my wife is just looking at me. My two-week-old is now crying his head off, and people in the McDonald's parking lot are just looking at me, and I did not give two, two craps what anyone thought because the Dolphins won. And for you two, I know how you were a little you know, tapped out with the alcohol probably in the first quarter there. But for you two, you know, for what sure. was that like, the, the, first, the first game of the season ending like that? You want me to go Sorry, first? You I'll go, go first. Yeah, you go first. All right, I'll go first. Well, I worked. I got home, grabbed a beer, went and take a shower. You know how that goes. And I just went down, kept drinking, watched the Dolphins play up and down throughout the game. I'm sure Sutton, you both can attest that. Well, you were at Six Flags. So you weren't very drunk. But I was I was getting there. And, I mean, we're all on Twitter. We're all the good, the bad. Uh, I mean, throughout the game, though, you just had to believe that the Dolphins were going to pull it off. We saw it happen last year. You just kind of have that little bit of hope that Adam Gase, it's a whole different team that we have now. I mean, there were years ago where we'd be up big or you just kind of felt like Miami was going to find a way to lose, and, and it just seems different now with Adam Gase. I just kind of felt that in my heart that one way or the other we were going to pull it off. I, I ran up to my man cave, grabbed that Cody Parkey picture that I took for my wife because he's supposed to Eagles <laughs> and we have a signed picture. I'm sitting there that cradling Cody it. That Cody Parker picture was classic. Yeah, I'm sitting there cradling it. I'm in front of the TV just screaming. I had some friends come over. They could actually hear me out in the street just yelling. I was probably a little pissed during the game. But, but anyway, no. Cody Parkey, he nailed that field goal. And then uh, Young Ho shanked it. And, I mean, it, I was ecstatic. I was just happy that Dolphins football was back. And to pull out that win, that was a great feeling. What about you, son? <laughs> I forget what you tweeted, How so It was something like, Young Ho missed a field goal. That was um, that that was hilarious. But actually, I wanted to give it a shout out to us real quick. Do you remember our, the predictions that we made for last week and what the score yeah. was going to turn out to be? And I was what waiting for you well. to uh, talk about that. Okay, well, I'll throw it out there. I mean, House predicted the Parky field goal. I mean, he said it was going to be a walk off, but I mean, it was a game yeah. winner. And fifty four yarders just. Yeah, we can't all be perfect like MC Money. But, you know, the 54-yard field goal, that was, ironically enough, I believe the same distance that Andrew Franks had against Buffalo. So it was kind Andrew of a Franks nice was actually – Andrew Franks was actually 55. 55. Okay, so I stand yeah. corrected. But it was a nice kind of passing of the torch, so to speak, to say, you know, that's – I don't know if Andrew Franks makes all four of those kicks on Sunday. But, no, that, you know, no that's, that, that, that remains to be seen. But, um, you know, I predicted and 2019. Matt, you predicted 21-17. So, I mean, we yeah. were within just points. And so I wanted to give props to us, man. We know our, we know our stuff. Yeah. We're I all mean, people. listen, all of our in-depth study and analysis of the games and the Dolphins just proves that we're good. And, and we're going to predict the score of the Jets game, and we're going to be close. And that's just what it's going to be. And so deal with it. And, yes, I do agree with you, Sutton, that I don't think uh, Andrew Franks makes those field goals. And I can say that now because his mother unfollowed me on Twitter yesterday. And so now I could talk, and I could talk whatever I want about Andrew Franks. Okay? And, no, he does not make those. And, yes, no, I do respect Franks, and he has not gotten a job, I don't believe, unless he, I missed that he got signed somewhere. But, um, you know, he was inconsistent, and we all loved him for making that field goal in Buffalo. And we were all kind of a little bummed that, he was gone because that was one of our last memories of him. But Cody Farkey came in and said, listen, just like that gift that I tweeted out a few times with Jay Cutler, 
look at me. I'm the captain now. And, and Cody Parkey, and honestly, you are the – Yeah, and that, that 54-yarder, that could have been good from 60. From the angle that, that I been. saw, man, it had tremendous power on it. He so absolutely killed that, it. I mean, that that's a great confidence booster going forward that if we need a long kick in the clutch – we know we've seen it before, and we, we saw it in the first game that he played with us. So it's a good, you know, it was a good barometer test there with that kick. Absolutely correct. And let's hope that we don't have any more heart attacks like that, but the reality is we probably will, especially with this defense, which I said, you know, we will get into that a little more and see what uh, Adam Gase has to say about that. The cool thing about Cody Park, he grew up as a Dolphins fan, and he would – uh watch, you know, kickers like Uban Shaman or, you know, Stojanovic. And Cody Parkey actually said yes, and, and he grew up watching Olindo Mare. And this is what Cody Parkey said. He said, I grew up watching Olindo Mare and all of those guys, watching those guys kick. I always thought it would be pretty cool to do so, to kick for the Miami Dolphins, and now he's here. So he said it's awesome. And, and Cody Parkey was, is a perfect 6-for-6 six six now from 50 yards and beyond. Before that, obviously 5-for-5. Five five. And as soon as they put that graphic up on the screen, I'm like, oh, my God, here's the kiss of death. We always see it happen, right? <laughs> the graphic comes up on the screen. This guy hasn't thrown an interception in 287 <laughs> pass attempts. The next play is yeah. an interception. So I'm like, all right, there's the kiss of death right there. And, you know, Cody Parkey is from Jupiter, Florida. And Cody Parkey said it wasn't – totally didn't sink in uh, yet after the game. Cody Parkey would go to a few Dolphins game a year. Uh, uh, and he was glued to the TV, he said, for all the Dolphins games as, as he was growing up. And it's just a really, really cool story. And, and Adam Gase said that he was uh, – Parkey was one of the primary targets on the waiver wire that they had targeted, one of their highest priorities when Cody Parkey was released. And listen, Young Ho has lost two games for the Chargers. Cody Parkey has won one for the Miami Dolphins. So when people talk about kickers, they, they underestimate them a bit. The Buccaneers got a lot of crap for picking uh, Aguayo in the second round. They got a lot of crap because of the way they did it. They did it. They traded up and then picked him. And his numbers were impressive at Florida State. But when you looked beyond the actual numbers, when you looked um, beyond the surface, you would have seen that his deep ball range wasn't that great. It was, it was above average. You know, it was good, but it wasn't great. So I think they got a lot of flack for that. And, of course, I mean, who picks a kicker in the second round? Sebastian Janikowski got in the first round, but that's very, very rare, and Aguayo's not even in the NFL anymore. So kickers do matter. Kickers are people, too, just like punters. And we saw a few mishaps from the punters, uh, the new punter, Matt Hack, on Sunday, but hopefully he learns from that and moves on. All right, but the big story is Lauren Simmons went AWOL from the team. On Saturday night, the Dolphins filed a missing persons report. They last saw him around 1245 at the bed check. He did not show up for the team meeting at 545. They did a bed check at nighttime. He was not there. And then all panic ensued. Here is Adam Gase this week and after the game um, on everything that he said regarding Lawrence Timmons. It's about two minutes long, but this is over the course of several days. You can kind of get a feel for just how pissed off Adam Gase is. Uh, I'm not saying anything right now. I need to get. I need to. I need to kind of figure some things out first before I talk about this. I haven't even. I haven't even gotten through step one yet. So kind of got in a little late last night. So I kind of dealing with the guys that played. Have you talked to him or? No. Is he in the building? No idea. 
We've had a lot worse situations in other positions before, so we're used to adjusting. It's not a big deal for us. Adam, I know you're not in position or willing at this point to talk about the specifics with Timmons. Can you just say from a general standpoint, are you willing to say if you expect him to be on the team going forward, is that something you're willing to say at this point? Or No, I'm, I, I have nothing to add for what I have right now. I'm really just gathering a lot of information and, you know, I, I got to few other things I got to deal with with the guys that played yesterday. Adam, why did Lawrence Simmons go That's one of those. I'm sorry. Everything dealing with that, we're just going to keep in house. We've handled it the way we feel like we needed to handle it, and. No, really, I don't have anything to add to that. Do you have a chance to come back to the team? It's going to be something I'm going to keep in house, and I'll, I'll decide on that later. You established a certain culture over the last two years, um, and it applies to everybody. When guys step outside the bounds of that culture, can they be forgiven, or is it uh, you've been on your own? You're not part of us. I think every situation is different, and I would say that you can be forgiven. The right steps are taken. All right, so there it is from Adam Gates, the man himself, obviously very disappointed with Lawrence Timmons there, as he certainly should be. Lawrence Timmons knew the Dolphins were looking for him at the airport when he was approached by police. He still decided to board the plane anyways, and Adam Gates has left the door open for him as of this afternoon. And it is expected that Lawrence Simmons will remain with the Dolphins. I mean, his salary basically dictates it. They will try to recoup some of that guaranteed money. But Houts, I know you had some strong feelings about this on Twitter over the past few days. And Sutton will get your opinion on as well. But for you, Houts, I mean, what what does this say for you for Timmons? Do you forgive Timmons? Can you forgive Timmons? Do you want Timmons back? Or do you want the Dolphins to just move on from him? Yeah, what a bizarre situation before the first game. I mean, we waited a week. Uh, the whole hurricane, you know, postponing things and then you, they fly out there early and you, you think the season's finally going to start without any hiccups and then something like this happens the day prior. I mean, what a bizarre situation. I still think there's a lot of details to gather and I don't know if we'll ever know the full story, but to have a guy that you signed in the off season to a, a relatively big contract, a guy that you expected to come in and help fill that void of that one of the, the NFL's lowly run defenses and to be a leader and I mean, to have him just bail on the team a, a night before your first game. I mean, that's huge. And uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I mean, the, the linebacking core was something that we really had to upgrade this offseason. We, we tried to do so with McMillan and as with Timmons, and then he ends up bailing on the team. So, I mean, it's just it's just a crazy situation. Whether or not I forgive him, I guess I'd have to know the, the full details. And ultimately, I'd let Adam Gates decide that. I mean, I, we all know Lawrence Timmons is a hell of a, a ball player great against the run, decent against the pass. I mean, he's definitely going to be missed in there. But uh, to say whether or not I can forgive him, I, I think it sucks that he bailed on the team. And I, I think it's it's easier as me for a fan, a guy that has yet to play a, a regular season game, for me to say, okay, uh, it's okay to see him go. It's okay if this was his 
if he never does suit up for the Dolphins. I mean, I'm okay with that because, again, he's he hasn't played, but th- it's a disappointment. I think us as fans, you really want to see what Timmons could do, and I just hope for his sake that he gets his thing straight and can hopefully continue in the NFL. Yeah, Houts touched on most most everything. The only other thing I'll contribute was the reason it was so bizarre was Timmons has started like 100 consecutive games, 100-some plus, like 104 or something like that. Games in a row and goes AWOL. This is not some like undrafted free agent who gets his first shot and he shits his pants and runs away. I mean, this is not the case. This is an established vet. So it was a very confusing pregame. You know, we're in our la-la land playing a four o'clock game. So most of us probably had more beers pregame than we're used to having. And then all of a sudden you see this news flash up about Lawrence Timmons going AWOL. And, you know, as Hout said, you know, more, more details are going to unfold and it will, will give us more understanding of what happened. So we'll trust the organization and Gase and, the players and everybody to just make the right choice and uh, going forward from this. But yeah, just very strange, but you know, it, it preempted us to, to go get Stephon Anthony. And I'm, I know we'll talk about that here in a few minutes, but we're going to see a retooled linebacker unit. We're going to see what we have, you know? So in Lawrence Timmons's place was, uh, Chase Allen and, and we're going to talk about Chase Allen in just a second here and Chase Allen played decent I mean he didn't play lights out you saw the first play of the game where he jumped into the backfield and stopped Melvin Gordon for a loss and Mike Hall was also in there as well but Mike Hall was expected to play whether or not Lawrence Simmons was there or not the only difference was now Mike Hall was playing the entire game just about and uh, on the nickel packages Hall was out there when Timmons should have been out there with Alonzo and uh, Hole, according to Pro Football Focus and Pro Football Focus of Miami, Hole didn't have a totally great game despite leading the team in tackles. So Mike Hole, according to Pro Football Focus, he played 58 snaps and was picked apart by Philip Rivers, and this is their words, all day in coverage, allowing all nine targets to be caught for 95 yards. The targets, receptions, and yards allowed were all the most for any linebacker in coverage for week two. Chase Allen, on the flip side, drew the start and had the third highest grade for any Dolphins player in week two at 81.3, but he only played 13 snaps on the afternoon. Had two stops and run defense. It was not targeted in the passing game at all. So Chase Allen, his impact was minimal, and his liability was minimal. Hull was the guy that was out there the longest, and, and you saw the results there. Now, there was some talk on Twitter that this wasn't totally accurate in terms of how they chart receptions and targets and all of that, you know, jazz. And there was some back and forth there between some well-respected people on Twitter, including PFF themselves. And, you know, PFF is an exact science. We do have a partnership with them. We're going to use them throughout the season. But we'll also try to look beyond that as well. And one way we're going to look beyond that is just by bringing in the man himself, Adam Gase. And, no, we don't have a live interview with him right now on the phone. That would have been nice. But I will uh, pull in his uh, speech from the press conference on Mike Hole and how he felt he did. Take, take a listen. He's just what, what he's done since really we got here, and every time we put him in the game, he just he knows how to play football. You know, he has a knack for finding the ball, and you know he anticipates probably better than a lot of guys. You know I think 
he just he can kind of see things different. You know, anytime anybody tries to to run anything that just seems like a misdirection play, he never falls for it. He's always going the way the the ball carrier is going, and he's one step ahead of most most guys when it comes to just anticipating run plays or pass plays. So there it is from Adam Gase himself and Sutton. I, I, don't, I think you be, I believe you watched some film on Hull and the Dolphins' defense as a whole from the game on Sunday. What did you see from Hull? From me, me, what I saw, I saw a guy attacking the play, really out there everywhere that he could possibly be. What was interesting, though, on WQAM the day after, Channing Crowder was saying it was very obvious as a former linebacker to see that Mike Hull and Kiko Alonso were not on the same page. He said that when you have two linebackers playing side-by-side, they should be moving in the same direction. He said they were moving in the opposite directions. They weren't on the same page with each other. Hopefully that gets worked out as we move forward because, listen, Hull is going to be the middle linebacker as we move throughout the season unless the Dolphins decide to make a change. They brought in Stephon Anthony, who may or may not play in nickel situations. Once Timmons comes back, he'll probably be the nickel guy. But Sutton, from what you saw at the game on Sunday, uh, from looking at the All-22, what was your reaction on Mike Hull? Well, like you mentioned earlier, MC Money, some of the the chatter on Twitter, uh, one of those was C.K. Parrott, Chris Kaufman, who's a, a former Dolphins writer. He had mentioned, you know, the way that some of this stuff is uh, put into data for PFF is it's a little bit flawed because some plays are by design going to pick apart that person. And let me give you an example. If anybody has heard the term, the rub route, you know, it's, it's like a glorified, it's a, it's a moving screen in basketball. That's legal. So you run a slant to the outside to kind of quote unquote, pick the defender for the Z receiver. Who's coming on an inside slant. And that creates or an inside drag. And that's where that separation gets created because the teammates, wide receiver, they're, they're helping pick the defender. So some plays are by design going to obviously affect somebody. And Mike Hall found himself in a couple of those situations, especially out of the backfield uh, last week against the Chargers. Now, granted, there's some work to do, and we know it. We know it. You know, we've lost McMillan. Timmons, we don't know what's going to happen with him. Meese, we lost him. Um, Chase Allen, like you said, only played 13, 14 snaps. So we really need two high-functioning linebackers for this defense to work. And it remains to be seen if Mike Hall – now, granted, we did much better in run defense – I hope we have a chance to get to talk about that as we go forward with the show, but have to give props to the run defense. I think that was a concern for some of us going into the season to see the run defense play as well as it did. And I think Mike Hall had something to do with that. So we have to give him the credit that he deserves for the run defense that was there. There's probably some room to make some improvements on pass defense. Um, but what did you think, Houts? We're actually going to um, skip House on this one because we want to make sure we cover all of our topics tonight um, before we have to go off the air. So let's jump over to Chase Allen. And like I just mentioned, Chase Allen, 13 snaps, had the third highest grade according to PFF. 
didn't get many opportunities to be a liability in the game. But here's what Adam gave. I thought he did a great job. I, I love the fact that first play the first play of defense, Matt brings everybody, which I thought was aggressive. Which I, I love. I love that. And now he gets it on that first play and made another nice play, just coming, just anticipating what was going on up front and shot the sideline, knocked it out of bounds. And you know, whoever we got here, we'll we'll get guys better and. We'll feel good about it entering Sunday. All right, so how it's for you, Chase Allen, in the limited time that he was on the field, what did you see from him? Is he someone that you think can can play long-term here in the Dolphins' defense? Or do you think as an undrafted guy, you know, teams will start picking up his tendencies, and the more and more he's on the field and the more tape they put on him out there, the less and less effective he's going to be? Well, as you know, I'm definitely the, the undrafted free agent guru of this <laughs> insider. Uh, yes. For me, though, I mean, throughout throughout the preseason – Chase Allen was a guy that stood out. I mean, he was a guy that constantly heard his name called, and you weren't sure if it was because he was going up against those second or third streamers or what it was. And then to have a guy undrafted, 24 years old, to just get thrown in there because of Timmons going AWOL, I mean, I I don't think you could have asked him to play any better. I I wish you could have seen more out of him. I mean, I think you said uh, 13, 14 snaps. I mean, that's not really enough to say whether or not Chase Allen is – going to make a career or name for himself in the NFL. But, I mean, I definitely saw promise. I definitely think what he did against the run was good. I, I'm not sure if he was tested in the past game at all. But, I mean, Chase Allen, that's a guy that could see more playing time as the season goes forward. And he's a guy that I'd like to see a little more of and get a better idea of what he's capable of doing. Chase Allen was not targeted in the passing game at all. There was no targets directed his way. He was more uh, on the field in obvious passing – I'm sorry, obvious run situations. And, you know, the Dolphins really tried to limit his time on the field. We did mention stopping the run. The Dolphins were very effective stopping the run. They held Melvin Gordon uh, to a season low, and we're only two weeks in, but but still very impressive, 13 yards rushing. And the Dolphins always seem to bottle up the San Diego, not San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. When the Chargers came to Miami uh, after Joe Philbin's father died and Kevin Coyle was the interim coach, and I was there for this game, they bottled up Brandon Oliver, and I forget who else was there that year uh, for the Chargers. It always seems like they have the Chargers number. Obviously, last year, the Chargers had a little more success against the Dolphins on the ground, but this year, the Dolphins were having none of it, which is very encouraging because last year, we saw the Dolphins get absolutely gashed in the run game. Whether or not this is an improvement, it's only one week, so we don't know for sure if this is going to be a trend or if this is a fluke, but it's very encouraging to see Melvin Gordon, nine attempts for 13 yards, averaged 1.4 yards per carry. Brandon Oliver, three attempts for 31 yards, change of pace, 44 total yards rushing by the Los Angeles Chargers. Here's what Adam Gase had to say about stopping the run. I felt like we had, you know, very few missed tackles. I thought the, you know, the entire defense did a good job playing off each other. You know, we had one that kind of got us for a longer run, but for the most part, you know, everybody was in the right gaps, playing fast, a lot of gang tackling, a lot of guys were on the ball, just collapsing everything. You know, it was, it was really good to see. So, and I know you had some good thoughts on stopping the run. You want to talk about this a little bit, so go on ahead. Yeah, it was good to see Jordan Phillips. You know, Adam Gase more or less sung his praises in an Adam Gase sort of way, you know, did his job. And that's what I saw on tape was Jordan Phillips actually did his job. So I was, I was kind of happy about that. I wasn't expecting that going into game one, nor did I expect 
him to leapfrog Godshaw either, but Godshaw, when he went in, had some pretty good reps there. So the defensive tackle rotation really stepped up, and Dominican Sue looked like his absolute dominant self. So glad that he is in there wreaking havoc in the interior for us. William Hayes came in and had some really good snaps. The defensive end had some good pass rushing hurries there, had a sack, did well against the run. That's his forte. So really like how this defensive line is shaping up in terms of shutting down the run game. And it's going to help because that back seven is going to need all the help that it can get. So the defensive line can control the line of scrimmage like it did against the Los Angeles Chargers, and we're, we're going to be in pretty good shape. But um, impressive to see the defensive tackles, the way they worked out. That was, that was a blessing. Speaking of the back seven there, Sutton, the Dolphins uh, totally outmatched on, in the secondary and on the defensive side of the ball on that play. Phillip Rivers, 39 attempts, 31 completions, 331 yards, one touchdown, a longest pass of 24, a quarterback rating of 110.6. Keenan Allen with 10 targets, nine receptions for 100 yards. Hunter Henry, of course, the Dolphins are tight ends. You know, they can never seem to cover the tight ends. 80 yards for Hunter Henry. Melvin Gordon making some noise on the ground. Uh, not on the ground, but, you know, in the air with the, catching the ball. 65 yards there. Tyrone, Tyrell Williams, 54 yards. Like I said, 331 yards total. That is a lot of passing yards. And the Dolphins need to uh, shore that up. But Adam Gase didn't seem too concerned. Here's what he had to say about Philip Rivers and the Miami Dolphins secondary. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a tough matchup, you know. Philip, you know, these last, you know, big, you know, the Denver game and then our game. I mean, those are two of the better better games that I've seen him playing in the last couple of years. I mean, they were he was really on it. He did an outstanding job with getting the ball out. Really took our rush away just by the way that he was. You know, finding guys open quick and, and letting guys make him make plays in shorter, shorter intermediate areas. And you know, we keep trying to get tighter and tighter in coverage. And it's you know, he does have he has playmakers, and it's it's tough. They're they're going to win some battles and they're going to get open. We just got to keep trying to find ways to get our hands on guys and you know, you know, be as tight as we can, you know, early, you know, so that rush can get home, and make him get off the first progression. But yesterday he was getting. He's getting the ball out quick. Houts, I know you did a lot of film work on the secondary because you are the cornerback guru of Insider Radio. So what did you see uh, in terms of the secondary versus the Chargers? Is Adam Gase correct in his assessment, or is he just covering up his players and backing them publicly? Yeah, I think it might be a little bit of wishful thinking. I think we've touched on it a couple times throughout this offseason and all year, really, that the the secondary was going to be one of the bigger question marks for the Dolphins and could impact the way the season plays out. It didn't necessarily impact the way this game finished, but, I mean, to sit back there and see Phillip Rivers, he pretty much just picked apart the Dolphins' secondary. He did whatever he wanted, and, I mean, I was one to come out and say personally that I thought Xavier Howard might be the Dolphins' best cornerback, and our good folks over at PFF and uh, PFF Miami, uh, they said Xavier Howard was targeted a league high 13 times in week two and allowed 10 receptions for 87 yards. His overall grade was 46.8 in ranked. 67th of all cornerbacks in week two. So, I mean, Xavier Howard, he had a, a terrible day. Um, just overall, the entire secondary. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if maybe it's because they were expecting Rashad Jones to drop down the box and kind of, you know, fill that void left behind by Timmons and kind of come down as an extra linebacker. But 
it just seemed like the entire secondary got picked apart. And Byron Maxwell, I mean, you touched on it, Altron Werner, he, he might be the starting cornerback sooner than later. I mean, you can see why the Dolphins, and we continuously hear this Richard Sherman trade rumors. I mean, you can see why Miami's definitely looking to improve that secondary because if this is any indication of what this season entails, I mean, that's going to be one of the that's going to be the Dolphins' Achilles heel moving forward. Speaking of Byron Maxwell and Altern and Werner, um, here's what Adam Gase had to say between the two and why they decided to go with Byron Maxwell and whether or not the Dolphins are considering benching him. Moving yeah, forward. I don't think we, you know, he had a good week of practice. I think they both had a good week of practice, and you know, Byron was a good good matchup for us. You know, we felt like he he matched up against those guys well. You know, being we'd like him, you know, get his hands on those guys and try to grapple with them a little bit. We'll, you know, we'll just keep working on kind of, you know, fu- you know, getting better at certain certain aspects of what, how we want to play defense, and that's part of the part of the process of the season. And you know, we'll we'll keep making adjustments and trying to find what we what this group of guys will do best. So uh, there you have it on, on that. And people watching the game saw the. Rashad Jones yelling at Byron Maxwell throughout Byron Maxwell pulling in a grade a PFF grade of 36, which is not good. Xavier Howard pulling in a grade of 43, not good. Rashad Jones had an off game, which could have been attributed to Byron Maxwell, 44.6, Nate Allen, 52.1, all of them receiving poor grades in the secondary. Now Cameron Wake had a pedestrian game below average, 68.6, Ndamukong and Sue had a very good game, an elite game, according to PFF, 90.5. Godshaw, 47.5, not good. Charles Harris, 49, not good at all. So if we look at the base defense, then you go to William Hayes, 81.1, which is good. Uh, Jordan Phillips, 69.1, not bad. Andre Branch, 50.0. Um, and the nickel, Bobby McCain, 78.5, not terrible. Uh, that's average according to pff we'll get into the jets and what their offensive guys look like and how that lines up with the dolphins defense but dolphins you know need some work in the secondary and we hope that as the season moves on matt burke can help them get there to our people on hold right now we have two callers on hold one guy's been on for 20 minutes the other guy's been up for 12 minutes. We see you. We are not ready for your calls yet, but we will be within the next 10 minutes or so. Jumping on to the other side of the ball, smoking Jay Cutler, making his Dolphins debut. Uh, very impressive Dolphins debut. And some people will say that he didn't have a very impressive Dolphins debut, but he did. Uh, 33 attempts, 24 completions, 230 yards, only two sacks for a loss of five yards, one touchdown, a long completion of 31, quarterback rating of 101.8. And Jay Cutler did not throw an interception. Jay Cutler took care of the football and took the shots when he needed to. And he let his guys make plays. Here's what um, Adam Gase had to say about Jay Cutler. Jay did a good job. You know, he, he executed what we asked him to do. He's good in the run game. You know, threw the ball well. Made some great plays off schedule. Those guys are seem to, you know, they're learning each other. And, you know, he, he keeps everything calm. You know, he, he doesn't get too high, too low. I know he wished he had that one throw back in the, to Jarvis in the in the red zone. You know, we were just a little little bit off on that one. I know we were excited about having an opportunity to run that one. That was something that we've been working on. I think we had that up like in 2015, so I think that was the first time I got to call it. So, um, you know, we were close on that. That would have been 
that would have been a great one to have, but we still got points out of it. And I thought he, I thought he did well, though. I mean, he, he made some, you know, that throw that he had to Devonte was a really, that was a good play, you know, just on that scramble drill. And you know, those guys do a good job when when things start 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 breaking down. You know, we're finding we're finding guys now. So, and your thoughts of what you saw from Smoking Jay Cutler? <laughs> I did not leading into this week. I did not think that Jay Cutler would be like the 12th player that we would talk about tonight. I just did not see that scenario playing out, but that's exactly what happened. That's because he played efficient football, and it was kind of a breath of relief for most of us. For me including, I said this going into the season, that turnovers were going to be a huge emphasis for this team. And we saw this team, you know, take care of the ball. Jay Cutler. No interceptions, no fumbles. The team, no interceptions, no fumbles, nothing. Uh, so that was good to see from a, an efficiency standpoint. You did see one throw, Jay Cutler backpedaling off his back foot. One of those throws that when you when you see the throw from the camera angle that you have, you can't see what's going on downfield. So it just looks a little bit like, Ugh, no, you didn't just make that throw. And then you look to see – how the play develops down the field and you're like, wow, that was a great throw. So just as we were excited for Parkey to make that 54 yard field goal, that throw was kind of an important throw for me to see, to see him backpedaling, throwing off balance and be able to pull off a throw like that. We're going to need clutch plays during this season at some point, whether it's on third down, fourth down, late in the season, on the road and the elements, whatever it is. So, all those types of hurdles that we come over, that's a confidence builder going forward. And that's those types of throws that, that, that was, that was a pleasure to see. Now, um, Adam Gates did say that he felt he hindered Jay Cutler just a bit. So let's bring in Adam Gates in terms of how he thought he messed up the play calling here. Uh, I thought the first drive was really and I called a wide receiver passing around in the first drive, Barry. Jesus. But, you know, we just had those those three and outs, and I, I didn't like – I felt a little, little off rhythm in that second quarter. I, I was – I felt like I was holding our guys back, and in that third quarter really put it on, you know, getting J.J. the ball, finding ways to let the receivers – you know, win one-on-one opportunities. You know, we didn't really get the opportunities we wanted with Julius, you know, because of what they were playing. And then letting Jay make some plays with his feet, you know, scrambling. And those guys really took over that game. You know, we, we kept it fairly simple, and they just they won their one-on-one matchups, and that really really changed a lot of it for us. So there you have it with the play calling there. Adam Gates always taking a lot of blame for the play calling. We saw it all throughout last year him taking blame for the play calls. We'll see how that shakes out as he gets used to Jay Cutler and what they can get going there. Unfortunately, he had a chemistry with Ryan Tannehill as the season was going on there that would have barely carried over into this year, but not, uh, you know, not so fast with the Tannehill injury and training camp. And now uh, Jay Cutler coming back in. Uh, Gay did have one season with him, but it was kind of long ago. So they do need to get back on the same page and perfect um, with, with everything else. So that said, Last week, Houts and Sutton, um, and I think Sutton got disconnected here. 
Um, let's see. I'm just going to text him there. Um, he did get disconnected. But um, last week we talked about play action and how Jay Cutler thrived under play action. And Adam Gase realizes that too. Adam Gase listens to Finsider Radio because here's what he had to say about the play action plays and how he wants to incorporate more. There's just it's a it's a tougher it's a tougher protection probably to, to defend because the way that the outside zone run game is when a guy sticks his foot in the ground and goes vertical, you're closing down on the edge when you're you're really unblocked and you make that play in the run game great, but it, all of a sudden we're booting out or we're setting up on and you're doing that and now all of a sudden you're blocked and there's there's no nothing in the quarterback's face and he's he's done a lot of time and it's it's really like I understand the more I've been in this why we saw Atlanta had the success they had last year you know Matt Ryan really took advantage of that him and Julio and you know seeing a lot of these teams that you know the old Denver teams just kind of watching a lot of these types of play actions I mean like it makes sense to me why it's worked Sounds good. Oh, there you have it. Last week, how Sorry about that. So last week, Helton Sun, we talked about play action and how Adam Gase needs to get Jay Cutler involved in more play action, and there you have it. Adam Gase coming out uh, the other day to get more play action involved. And so, you know, we go on the air here. We need to because the Dolphins brass and the coaches are listening to us, and that's really important to know. And I say that with all sarcasm because they have better things to do than to listen to Finsider Radio on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but, House, you know, <laughs> so I think that's funny. That was funny. It was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Then why weren't you laughing? I was, but it was Sutton's laugh overpowered mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so how when you talk about play action between JHI or Kenny Stills, Jarvis Landry, all those guys, Jarvis Landry targeted a ton of times, thirteen times or fifteen times, I, I believe. When you talk about play action, how does that all work together with Ajay Parker, everyone else in, in the in the field there? How does that work? Tell us. Yeah, I mean this offense, it's based around what Ajay can do. He's probably our most dynamic playmaker. He's the guy that this team's looking to feed the ball to, and he really opens up that play action. We saw this past Sunday against the Chargers. I mean, Ajay, he was feasting early on, and it would open up those play action passes. Saw some of the Parkers, the touchdown, the stills in the end zone. I mean, it forces the defense to bite and hesitate just that slight second, and then it opens up a slight window for an opportunity there. And I, I think – Nobody does it better than Cutler from what it seems like. I mean, okay, I can't say nobody, but Cutler looks like he's pretty damn good at it. It looks like it's a huge staple what this offense is going to become. And, I mean, I just I just love it. I mean, I think Joe Schott said, and I think our boy Topher, Topher brought it up in the chat, but he just said that the Dolphins, the way they want to run this run this offense is an Ajayi run, a Landry short completion, a deep shot to Parker, another Ajayi run, another Ajayi run, a deep shot to Parker. I mean, that's something Joe Schott said in one of his articles. I mean, that's what this offense is doing. I mean, you see when Parker's in single coverage on the outside, the Dolphins are taking a chance. They come back to Ajayi for a run. They're finding ways to get Landry the football, even if they aren't the smartest, as Gabe said in the first quarter. So, I mean, it, it all comes back to Jay Ajayi and what he can do in the game, run game. And, I mean, those holes were opened up. The offensive line played better than I expected. And when you can run the ball the way they do, 
the way JHI can, I mean, that opens up that play action for the guys on the outside, like Stills, Landry, and Parker, and that's where the Dolphins are going to thrive this season. JHI was an absolutely monster game. 28 attempts for 122 yards, 4.4 yards uh, per carry along of 20 on the day. Now, JHI on the offensive side of the ball, uh, like I just said, he racked up 82 of his 122 yard, total yards on the day after contact. That is impressive. We remember Lamar, Lamar Miller, right? He got all his yards before contact. That dude just falls down as soon as someone touches him with a little finger. But JHI just burst through the tackles. That was the most for any back in week two. He's forced, he had eight forced missed tackles. Also led all running backs, a category he led the league in with 58 in 2016. He was on the field for 64 of a possible 68 snaps, suggesting he is once again ready for his three-down roll as the focal point of the offense. Let's talk about real quick Jarvis Landry and um, Bear here. Before we move on to the Jets, we can take these calls. He was targeted 15 times, with the, uh, which was the second most for week two. And his 13 receptions led the league. 62 of his 78 yards came after the catch most for any wide receiver of the week. Landry led the league with 630 yards after the catch in 2016. So it looks like that is possibly something to keep an eye on this season as Jay Cutler establishes chemistry with his guys. All right. Before we move on to the Jets game, before we talk a little more about what happened in the Chargers game in terms of play balance and, and the you know beautiful split between there, we have three people on the line. We have a ton of questions on Twitter we are not going to be able to get to all of them tonight. It's just a magnitude of all the questions. We could do a whole show just on questions alone. But let's bring in our first caller. He's been on hold for 32 minutes. Great, great, uh, dedicated guy who is, or girl, who is dedicated to Finsider Radio. And I believe this is Christoph. If it is not, uh, who are you? What is your name? And what do you want to talk about? Uh, it's Kai. Oh, Kai. I am so sorry to confuse you with Christoph. Kai, how are you doing tonight? No worries. Pretty good, pretty good. Surviving uh, after Hurricane Irma. Yes, I'm glad you're safe. Thank God. Uh, yeah, I wanted to know uh, if you guys, if you were on the Dolphins team, if you could ever, not right now, obviously we don't know the situation, but if you could be able to trust having Lawrence Timmons there 24-7, or maybe not even 24-7, but just trust him in general. To be there. I'll take this one, Kai. Um and thank you for calling Finside Radio. Thank you again for holding as long as you did. We do appreciate you holding the phone up to your ear or you're probably lying to us and had it on speaker and on your table as you're li- listening to us. And whoever else is in your house is probably just looking at you weird that you're listening to a Dolphins podcast on a Wednesday evening and you have nothing better to do with your life. But anyways, um, me personally, I'm a very forgiving person. We uh, heard Health and Son talk about it earlier. I, I would. I-, I like to give second chances. We've seen so many people turn their lives around with second chances. Lawrence Timmons had 101 consecutive starts in Pittsburgh. This behavior is abnormal for him. It is not something that uh, has ever been displayed in the past, as far as we know, unless Pittsburgh did a really good job of covering it up. But, but I do believe in second chances. For me, if I'm on the team, yeah, I'm pissed off at Lawrence Timmons, and it's going to take time to build trust back. But I would welcome him back. And a cautious welcome back, but in the end, at the end of the day, yes, I do believe in second chances. All right, Kai, thank you for calling Finside Radio. We're going to bring the next guy on the phone. He's been on the line for 25 minutes. Could be a woman as well. Uh, who are you? What is your name? And what would you like to talk about? 
definitely not a woman. Right call, <laughs> right caller, wrong call. Oh, okay, Christoph. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. Um, I want to start off by saying something first, and that is that I'm more suspect about our secondary than I am our linebacker core. Um, when you look at the lineup, you have an undrafted free agent playing a handful of snaps. You got hole in the lineup. You know, it, it just – they really didn't even get that much time to practice together. So I think ultimately with our defensive coordinator specializing with linebackers, that's going to work itself out. The secondary, however, I don't think so. But I do have a question. Um, we recently tra- traded for Stefan, I forget his last name, Anthony. Um, but there were rumors that Kenny Vaccaro was benched amid trade talks. Do you think it's possible that the Dolphins started the call with Kenny Vaccaro and then settled on Stefan Anthony? And if so, do you think Kenny Vaccaro is a guy they could visit maybe later on? You know what? It's possible. And something else that CK Parrott pointed out on Twitter was that Joe Vitt is the father-in-law of Adam Gase and has been a member of the Saints organization, specifically as in the coaching staff with both the defense and linebackers. So, he has familiarity there. Adam Gates has contacts. I trust Adam Gates' read on this situation and the information that he has. I don't think Adam Gates – in other words, Adam Gates has access to the best information on the planet for this situation. So I, I think he's going to make the right choice there. Now, does Kenny Vaccaro get added to the mix later on down the road to see what happens? Does it happen now? Yeah, don't know. I didn't see enough out of the back end because they weren't challenged that much. Um, The Chargers seemed to get us in those short, intermediate routes, so I didn't see enough in the long game to necessitate making a move for a safety at this point. But we might have to change our mind next week, depending on what happens against the Jets. So we're – it's always a fluid approach in the NFL season, but like I said, Adam Gase, the information he has, you got to trust that. Let me also just make another point on uh, Kenny Vaccaro, Kristoff, and Sutton. Kenny Vaccaro was scheduled to make $5.67 million this season. He is a free agent after the year, so I believe his salary also has to do something with that as well. But listen, it's possible. We'll see. All right, let's bring in our last caller on the line, area code 209-817-4929. Who are you? What is your name? And what is your question for House? Uh, it's Josh calling from California. Uh, two questions. One, how, how do you guys think the pass rush affected the secondary's poor play? We only had like one sack. I know the run D was pretty good, but as far as getting after the quarterback, I, I felt like I was a little disappointed in that aspect. Um, part of that was Cameron Wake. And then the second part of that is offensively. Landry had like 13 or 14 catches. I was surprised at the end of the game to look at the stats and see that Parker only had four. I felt like he was making catches all over the place. So is it a concern that Landry had like half of the 
receiver cores catches. And do you think that that could be an issue moving forward? Great questions, Josh. Uh, as far as the pass rush, that's definitely a concern. It's definitely played a huge role, I think, in that the it opened things up for the Chargers offense. I mean, you saw that Phillip Rivers was getting the ball out in a timely fashion, and it was just making it hard for those defensive ends to get to the quarterback. As for Landry, I mean, it's kind of been his game. It's kind of what Adam Gates does. I mean, he tries to find a way to get Landry the football, whether it be in a reverse, put the ball in his hands, and let him try to throw it, or short screen passes. Is it a concern to me? I, I, I don't think it is. I think Parker, I think it was eight targets. Four of those were for receptions. So, I mean, you see him in that single coverage. They try to throw him deep downfield and try to make big plays. So, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit alarming that you're giving a guy 13 targets or it might even be more than that. I think it was 13 receptions. But you're giving him those, all those targets and you're kind of singling, singling him out. So, I mean, for me, I'd like to see him spread the ball a little more. I don't think Still's got nearly as many opportunities as he should have. And for me, Parker, I still think he's our number one receiver. I think I'd like to see him get a lot more opportunities. But I think that had a lot to do with the way the Chargers were game planning. So I don't think it's an issue. I guess we'll see more moving forward. But for me, as of now, I'm okay with it. All right, Josh, thank you for calling in to Finside Radio. I believe you are a first-time caller, maybe a second-time caller. Nonetheless, thank you very much. Have a great evening. We have one more caller on the line just called in just a few seconds ago. Area code 435. What is your name and what is your question for Sutton, our Finsider Radio Everything Guru? This is Alpha. Oh, oh, Alpha, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh boy. Alpha. All right. Hold on. Stop the podcast. Stop the podcast. Yeah, voice we have Alpha on the line. I have a mute button ready to go. Alpha, what's up, buddy? What do you got for us? <laughs> um, linebacker Stefan, does he play this Sunday? If so, does he play middle linebacker or outside linebacker? All right. Let me take this one because, actually, you're going to lead us into our next conversation. I'm going to play for you a clip from Adam. Yeah, this, this has been going on for a while. So it just uh, finally happened, and you know, we're excited that you know, we had an opportunity to add somebody to our roster that we feel like can help us. So Mr. Payton has stated that Stefan Anthony has explosiveness, and speed, but that he needs to improve his um, mental game. In general, when you have a player who has outstanding athleticism but might be prone to mental errors, what are some ways that you and your coaches can help? Well, you know, just it's hard because I, I, you know, for me personally, I haven't had a chance to meet him yet. So, I mean, we'll we'll just kind of go through our process and determine where we feel. He fits for us and the right way for us to coach him and teach him and, you know, kind of make our own assessment of, you know, how we want to use him. And, you know, it's hard for me to say anything right now when I really don't know because I haven't been around him. All right. So, Alpha, you are still on the line. You're just on mute here. Um, so, Kiko Alonso right now is playing the Will linebacker spot. Mike Hole is in the middle at the Mike linebacker spot. So, Stefan Anthony, he'd be playing the Sam linebacker. And, this is also known as a strong side linebacker. And this is someone who is a versatile player, someone who can play both the run and the pass. We know Stefan Anthony doesn't really uh, need, he needs some work with the pass, pass coverage there. But the hope is that Lawrence Timmons comes back and takes over for that in the nickel situation. Um, you know, Anthony is a great run stopper. He needs to provide strong run support and fill his gap on the run. 
also required to drop in short zones in both cover two and cover three when the Dolphins do play that. Cam at times play man-to-man coverage on the tight end or the number two or three receiver, which can cause issues. But as Adam Gase said earlier this week, uh, the Dolphins will come out in the nickel uh, base formation much more times than not. Um, You know, the alignment lines up on the strong side of the formation there. The Sam will essentially split the space between the end man on the line of scrimmage and the inside slot receiver. So his assignments as the Sam linebacker to fill his assigned gap on the run, and really Stefan needs to be aware of where the play is going, which has been a knock on him in the past. And, you know, it's, it's really, I think, a move to help shore up the run a little bit, to give Timmons a little break when he gets back, and, and to possibly, you know, give Hull a break as well if they can get Stefan's um, career back on track. So, so Alpha, thank you for calling. Uh, we are surprised by your phone call. We, we love that you called in, and we're glad that you did not uh, make us beep out anything after the show or cause the FCC uh, to call us tonight. So, Alpha, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. Thanks, Alpha, Alpha, one of our most loyal listeners for Finsider Radio, one of our most loyal tweeters. Alpha is a good guy. Gets a little crazy there on Twitter and the live thread, but good guy. I'm glad he called in. All right. Awesome. Oh, yeah. So it's always good to hear from Alpha. Always. Yeah. So, listen, we're up at the uh, 10 o'clock hour. We've been on the air for 56 minutes. We still have a lot to talk about. So here's what's going to happen with the Twitter questions. I'm sorry we cannot get to them tonight. We will, and I know Sutton posted a uh, tweet earlier asking for questions. I'm going to go in that thread. Sutton's going to go in that thread. House is going to go in that thread. We're all going to quote tweet them and get it out there for all of our followers to see. And I'm telling you two what to do with your Twitter account. At me if you want to. Come at me. Uh, yell at me. But I don't care. I will you're fire the, both your asses if you, don't, if you don't listen to me. All right. Um, so I played that clip on Stefan Anthony. And I, I, we kind of talked about them there. The Dolphins are hoping he can play on Sunday. That is a quick turnaround. I'm not really sure that this predated Lawrence Timmons fiasco, even though Adam Gay said so. I think he's just trying to cover up things there because Stefan Anthony said he was blindsided in an article from Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald that released about four hours ago. Anthony said he was blindsided. I'm sorry, but if there's trade discussions going on for that long, I think you would probably get a hint of something that may be happening. So I don't, I don't fully believe that this has been going on for a while. I think it is directly related to Lawrence Simmons and that situation there. All right. One more thing from the Chargers game before we jump into uh, the Jets week. And a lot of people have questions about why Adam Gase called a timeout at the end of the half. And we're not going to give analysis on it because what Adam Gase said in his press conference speaks for itself. Take a listen. Well, we were trying to leave enough time to where if he made it, we could run another play. I mean, Phillip was stopping all those guys trying to run on the field, which everybody – yeah, but the – quarterback that's been doing it for about 15 years stopped him was going to clock it with two seconds left so that's what was going on there so we tried to call with 12 seconds left but you know we got 10 so he kicked it makes it at least we got a chance maybe start running around throwing the ball around see if you can get something going all right there you have it from adam gates the man himself makes complete sense made complete sense at the time and i know some people got bent out of shape on that all right, it is Jets week. The Jets are a outstanding 0-2. I am really upset because, uh, Sutton, you're going to be at MetLife House. Are you going to MetLife as well? 
I'm not. I I got roped into working. All right, so I feel a little better about my life now. Uh, me was a yeah, we, three we weeks old. You should not. Yeah, uh, Neither one of you should feel good about yourselves. I will we be suck. in MetLife next year, or or we can come out to Utah, and I have no problem coming back to Cleveland. That was one hell of a trip um, <laughs> that I took. I still we still talk about it to this day. We were actually just talking about it, me and my cousin and his friend, our friend there, Mark. Um, we were talking about it yesterday. How fun that trip was, and I, I yeah, keep saying come it, back, yeah. I keep saying it. Cleveland is highly, highly underrated in terms of a you know nightlife city and lots of lots of stuff to do. It was awesome. All right. Um, so yeah, Sutton's going to MetLife. He's going to you know beat up some people. I know Jake Mendel's going to Met, uh, MetLife. I believe Kathy Demato's going to MetLife. MetLife takeover from Dolphins NYC will be. Oh, they sold over a thousand tickets, so you know they're going to be loud. But the Jets, oh and two, they're not even a good team. But Adam Gase is not taking them lately, as he should not. Here's what he had to say about the New York Jets. Well, they got they got some new faces. You know, we're really that's going to be the number one thing we got to kind of sort through of some of the guys that you know we haven't really played before there are still a lot of familiar faces and you know we're going to have to get ready for a you know a veteran quarterback veteran running back um defensively you know they got they got pretty young in the back end this year and we got two guys that can really roam around and run you know, at the safety positions, and you know, it's it's going to be a challenge for us, especially you know, with Coach Bowles, is he stops to run, and you know, that's one of the things that we really like to hang our hat on, and he does a good job of stopping him, and he did a good job against us last year, and I know statistically it, it looked good on paper, but you know, the first first game we played against them, that was that was no that was not easy sledding. And we popped two runs right at the end of the game that kind of made it look like we had a better day than what we did. Um, you know, when we play these guys, it's it's a physical physical game. It's a division game. You know, it's you know it's it's one of those games. It's, it's a this is a tough game. This is one of those ones where you throw everything out the window because it's it's going to be a slugfest. Yep. So Adam Gates not taking them lightly. Here's the breakdown from Pro Football Focus. Uh, when the Jets come out in a two tight end set, here is uh, what what they're looking like. Um, and Sue should absolutely eat up the offensive line for the Jets. Their center, um, Wesley Johnson, a grade so far, 45.5 out of 100. Brian Winters, the right guard, a 50 grade. Brandon Shell, the right tackle, a grade of 48.3. Their left guard, James Carpenter, an average grade. Of 75.3, their left tackle, Calvin Beecham, a grade of 69.4. One of their tight ends will tie a whopping grade of 37.8. Over on the other side, Neil Sterling, um, an average grade of 73.7. Roby Anderson, a rookie wide receiver, um, 43.9. Josh McCown, their quarterback, grade of 56.4. Matt Forte, 50.4. The guy that should eat for the Jets, though, is Jermaine Kirsten, grade of 74.9. He is the most targeted guy on the Jets. Of course, their number one target. He should have a nice day, especially if you're in a PPR fantasy league. I know I'm starting him. I hate starting guys the Dolphins are playing. But listen, at the end of the day, besides the way I sit on the sofa and where I sit on the sofa, I don't control much of the other parts of the game. So, uh, you know, Jermaine Kirsten, the seventh guy who has a grade of 74.9 going against the guy. Xavier Howard has a grade of 43.0. 
Yeah, that will be interesting to see. Now, when the Jets come out in their three wide receiver set, you throw in um, Jeremy Curley there. He has a grade of 70.6 going up against Bobby McCain, who has a grade of 78.5. So, so you're not bad there, and, and that's going to be an even matchup as well. Roby versus Maxwell, that's pretty much an even matchup. It's the curse that you got to take away. I expect the Dolphins to double-team curse there and see what they can do. So for you guys in your research leading up to the game here and what I just said in terms of, you know, how these guys are stacking up with the Jets offense, are you concerned about the Jets offense at all? House, we'll start with you, then we'll go to Sutton. I think you touched on it with Jermaine Curse. I mean, he's been a playmaker ever since he joined the Jets. I, I know Josh McCown's not the best quarterback, but – uh, I like what Jermaine Curse can do, and against his secondary, I mean, that could cause problems. I do look to see him have a big day. I just picked him up in the fantasy league myself, so, I mean, that's probably my biggest threat. And, I mean, this this has trap game written all over it. I mean, the Jets are not very good. They're, they're a pretty shitty team, and the Dolphins, on paper, should handle them pretty easy. But we know how these rivalry games go, and, I mean, yeah, I'm going to be a little hesitant to see how things play out because the Jets, they're not good, but this is a game that they're going to go out there, guns a-blazing, and although they shouldn't beat the Dolphins or have any chance in hell, it, it could get it could get dicey, so that's my so, and your thoughts, worried, your but. thoughts on the Jets' offense side? We don't do this very often here on Finside Radio, but I'll disagree with House that this is a trap game because I don't think trap games exist for Adam Gase. I think he has established a week-to-week mentality with the team, and I don't think he would allow his players to overlook anyone for any reason, any week, for any circumstance or any situation. We've already faced a hurricane and injuries and the loss of our starting quarterback, and we came out and won a nail-biter the very first game of the season under crazy circumstances. So, I think we'll. I think we'll be focused. I don't think we're going to take the Jets lightly, because you guys said it, it's a division game. You guys, you know, we we don't take division opponents lightly. My key to victory is being able to shut down the Jets' run. They were able to get about 125 yards against the Oakland Raiders, five yards a clip with each run. So we need to be able to shut down the run like we did against San Diego. Or, I mean, Los Angeles. Damn it, I didn't think I was going to do that, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> but the the Jets passing offense has just been so inconsistent so far this year. Interceptions, getting sacked. McCown got sacked four, four times last week against the Oakland Raiders. Had a, a forced fumble there against McCown, so – if we can make them one-dimensional like we were able to against the Los Angeles Chargers, then we're going to be in excellent shape. But we've got to shut the run down like we did against the Chargers. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about the run. Bilal Powell uh, on the outs there. It looks like reduced snaps. Low is Matt Forte. Seems like the lead back, but he's kind of out of gas there. Uh, I don't, I, I'm with you, Howell, uh, and I don't think this is going to be a trap game for the Dolphins. But it is a division game. Uh, we've seen the Dolphins, when they're at their worst, beat the Patriots. So, We'll have to see how it shakes out. Let's jump over to the offense now for the Miami Dolphins. Laramie Tunsil grading out at 44.9. Rough game for Tunsil. I wish we could talk more about Tunsil. But listen, we're only on the air for a short time. We can't have a three, four-hour radio show. We don't get paid enough to do that. 
Uh, Anthony Steen graded out a 51.8. The left guard, Mike Pouncey, graded out a 61.9. Jermon Bushrod grading out a 42.7. Jawan James grading out to 83.3. Now you look at the uh, defensive line for the uh, New York Jets, and they run a uh, 3-4 when they're in their base defense. Muhammad Wilkerson with a grade of 69.8 compared to Steen and Tunsil at 44.9 and 51.8. Steve McClendon, the defensive tackle, grading out at 47.2. Mike Pouncey should have no problem with him. Leonard Williams grading out at 67.7. Jawan James should have no problem with him. You look at their linebacker crew, Jordan Jenkins grading out at 75.4 in their base defense. Again, this is a 3-4 defense. Josh Martin grading out at 43.7. Darren Lee grading out at a ridiculously low 35.7. Demario Davis grading out another low 33.8. The funny thing about Lee, I know a lot of Dolphins fans, including myself, wanted him when he was available this uh, past offseason. But, yeah, it looks like he is not doing too well. Marcus May as the safety, 55.3 grade. Jamal Adams, who I loved coming out of LSU, one of my top players in the draft, grading out at 79.8. Should be some uh, deeply contested balls when Cutler throws it deep. Morris Claiborne, the cornerback, grading out at 45.9. Buster Scrine grading out at 45.5. Devontae Parker going across from Claiborne. Devontae Parker at 73.5. Jarvis Landry across from Scrine grading out at 76.1. Julius Thomas would be on the linebacker, 50.5. Anthony Fasano grading out at 57.3. Jay Cutler, 76.5. Jay Ajayi, 82.1. I expect the Dolphins offense to absolutely feast on the New York Jets. When the, the Jets are in their nickel formation, they move to a 4-3. Coney Ely grading out at 79.3. You got the two linebackers on the field. You got Darren Lee on the field along with Demario Davis. And I said they were both in their mid-30s there. Jordan Jenkins he goes from the linebacker slot to the defensive line and grading out at 75.4 there, as I said. When they do go into the nickel formation, Strine moves into the slot. They bring in Justin Burris to the left cornerback position, grading out a 38.8. I mean, you look at those grades, you two, right? And I know I just read off all of them, and that's a lot to take in. But just hearing those grades and then looking at across the, the line of scrimmage there, I don't see how the Jets are going to stop this Miami Dolphins offense. Sutton, your thoughts? It seems very unlikely, and man, we were all we were all there together last year. Man, you're gonna make me cry. We were all there last year when we beat their ass, and I really wanted to be there again this year. And you guys had to go and have kids, and you know, I kind of understand, but you know, now this offense, it looked like. I don't I don't know what to make of the first week's game plan just because it, it was very run dominant. We know we can't run Jay Ajayi 28 times every week. So the play distribution is going to have to naturally gravitate a little bit towards passing the ball just a little bit more. And and I really do like the roughly 50-50 play calling that we had. It's about as 50-50 as modern play calling is going to get. So that was kind of impressive to me that first week that we were able to establish that kind of balance. But Jay Cutler is going to have to make some more plays going forward. And 
like he like we had mentioned earlier with the play action passing game. One thing that we forgot to mention was that outside zone. The reason that run is so important in establishing play action is because the length of time that it takes to hand the ball off for that kind of run. So it freezes the linebackers. It freezes the secondary that much longer when you go to play action and it develops those things down the field a little bit more. And I I would like to see that going into this Sunday is being able to get Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, get them involved down the field with some of this play action and piggyback on the success that Ajayi had that first week because we know we can't we can't just run him into the ground early in the season or we're not going to have a very good long-term trajectory. So let's open it up a little bit going into this week, going into uh, uh, against a weak secondary. They have one week the, – the offense has one week under their belt to get a little rust off and time to take the training wheels off and see what we got in the passing offense. House, your thoughts on the Jets' offense or the Jets' defense versus the Miami Dolphins' offense? Yeah, I don't know if you guys were big wrestling fans growing up, but every time Vince McMahon's music hit, it would always say, no chance, no chance in hell. Yeah, and that's I kind of what I see as the Jets' defense. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like they stand a chance. I know you both gave me shit for trying to take the political view and say this could be a trap game. But let's be honest. The Dolphins should go out there and beat the hell out of the Jets. Uh, Sutton said about taking the training wheels off. Well, he. The Dolphins got a train, and I think J.H.I. could have a 200-yard game. I think Devontae Parker's going to feast. I think Jarvis Landry's going to feast. And I think the Dolphins just go out there and lay the wood on the Jets because it, it appears that they don't stand a chance. I mean, you ran off those PFF grades. They are just what they are. But, I mean, from a talent standpoint, the Dolphins just seem like the superior team, superior coach team, and, and I expect them to go out there and, and just lay an ass whooping down on the Jets. All right, time for predictions, boys. I'm going to start first. I'm going to go Dolphins 34 and Jets 14. Sutton, how about you? Oh, wow, 34-14. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go – I'll go 27 to – I'll go 27-14. All right, how about you? See, I had a number in my head. It was 27-13, but I, I don't want to be that – well, I'm going to be that guy. 27-13. That's what I was thinking all along. I mean, I mean that, that's how close we were last week. That it would, those little nuances actually mean something. So, watch it. Watch it. It'll yeah. be like 57-0 this week, and we'll be <laughs> completely off. With the, but, jet, with the but, Jets <laughs> winning, right? With the Jets winning. <laughs> Oh man! Don't don't even say that, we, dude. We would dude, all, if oh, I go to MetLife and we lose seven to nothing to the Jets, oh my God! You, yeah, you would jump. Ser- you like would jump like reach out to me. I'm gonna. I will need serious help. I will need serious psychiatric help. Yep. Uh, yeah. I don't see any way that happens. Yeah. All right. So, anything else that you guys want to cover here that we may have not covered in the past hour and fifteen minutes? F the Jets. Yep. Absolutely. It is Jets oh, weekend. Yeah. Oh Jets wait, suck. there was there was one thing, one yeah. little thing that popped up on the offensive line. I noticed that Anthony Steen played forty six snaps and Jesse Davis played twenty two. Was yeah. that because Anthony Steen suffered an in game injury, or was that by design that there was some kind of rotation going on there? It was a design. There were no injuries reported to the press box for the Dolphins throughout the game, so. That that so seems to be by design. 
Yeah, hopefully uh, Jesse Davis can kind of develop into the long-term solution there. But we'll see. Yes, we will see. Uh, Yeah. Jawan James. Jawan James played out of his mind, I thought. Yeah, yeah, good good call. He had one hell of a game. He had one hell of a game. And and going forward, we'll try to cover as many players as possible. What's really going to guide our show uh, throughout the season is the press conferences from Gates and the coordinators if we are able to get a hold of them. Um, So that's going to guide our shows throughout the season. Gives you a good insight into what Gates is thinking, and we just kind of go off that as well. All right, so that's going to be it. Enjoy the game on Sunday, Sutton. Enjoy MetLife. Enjoy uh, talking trash to the Jets fans. And, of course, enjoy booing the hell out of them when they're leaving the stadium after the second quarter because their team is losing that bad. All right, so and for people Sutton, and people, wait, 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 wait. Go oh, ahead. people, tweet me. <laughs> people, tweet, tweet me before you go to MetLife. Let's meet up. All right, Sutton wants to meet up. Uh, don't do any crazy send me, stuff. Send me Sutton. tweets. Yeah, all right, Sutton can get a little wild at times, but enjoy it. Enjoy <laughs> everyone who's Woo! going. It's going to be one hell of a game. All right, for Sutton, the creepy soccer dad, for House MD, House Stradramas, and every other nickname he has in the book, I am MC Money. Thank you for joining us this week on Finsider Radio. We'll talk to you next time. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Podcast. It's not Voltron.